Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. This is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. And I'm joined, as always, by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Good morning, Paul. Beautiful Tuesday morning. Hey, great. Well, today we're going to talk about um, school safety and uh, school um, school resource officers. And basically, you know, we're, we're getting close to uh, kids going back to school. My kids down here in Florida actually went back to school the end of last week. And in most other parts of the country, it's going to be within the next couple of weeks and the beginning of September. Yep. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the role of school resource officers and, and, you know, some of the things that they face on the job, especially in regards to uh, active shooter situations and other things that they have to deal with. Um, so, Frank, if you could talk about basically a couple of the trends, a couple of things that you've seen over the past few years that uh, SROs have to uh, contend with. You know, they've come a long way since they were first, I guess, envisioned since we start first started putting them in schools. And it used to be uh, one jurisdiction that I knew of. They took all the officers on the street that were well known for their, I don't want to say social awareness. They're, they're, um, they were the more friendly, helpful police officers and less the, I'm going to fight you in the handcuffs on a regular basis and worry about my arrest count type police officers. And so we took these friendly, huggable, laughing uh, officers and we made them our school resource officers because let's be honest, that's what you want around your kids, right? Um, but they weren't putting them in elementary schools. They were putting them in high schools. And in some parts of the country, uh, we saw where those friendly, huggable, personable police officers uh, were not doing well because the high schools were a little bit rough and we needed some officers in there that could handle their business. Um, so we, we've come a long way from that. Uh, we, you know, we're seeing school resource officers that are still 100% capable of the friendly, personable, joking type of officers, but they're also the officers that can run towards the sound of shots and, and, fight people in handcuffs if they need to, take down bad guys if they need to. Uh, we've, we've come to focus more now on the, the SROs setting the example of honorable behavior, of responsible behavior, of um, a, accepting responsibility for your own actions. And it's it's come a long way. Wait, I'm going to wait till we get further in the conversation. There's a couple of things we need to talk about in some of the education departments and how they view SROs. Um, but right now, I, th I think we've come a long way and we're moving in the right direction. I, I know a couple of local jurisdictions to me, the SROs are uh, almost dominantly guys from the SWAT team. And uh, that says something about the capabilities that they want them to have. Hey, Frank, and I think a really good example of this is uh, this article that I wrote back in uh, for the January, February issue of Officer Magazine, the right field the right shield for the job and basically uh a part just in the beginning of this um article i wrote how last november november 22 um the hillsborough county sheriff's office down here in florida received its first shipment of safari land pro tech assault 2 vp 
ballistic shields um, for school resource deputies. Yep. Uh, these shields are compact. They weigh uh, about 20 pounds. It, it just shows how these uh, school SROs are being better equipped than they ever have been. Um, just the things that they face, uh, the potential dangers that they face in the schools and that they have to show that they're prepared. Yeah, and you know it, it, that's a perfect example, Paul. That shield having it available, um, it, it's like I said, we've gotten away from the idea that the school resource officers are just there for show, that they're just there to be friendly, that they're just there uh, as a minor deterrent or a major deterrent, depending on how you want to view them. Uh, you know, we've come a long way when we look at the equipment that they're given, uh, the expectations that they have, and kind of the focus on the. I like to call it compassionate warrior. They they have to be 100% capable of that warrior outlook and equipped for it. But then they only embrace that when it's necessary, when there's threat to the children. And yeah, in children, we continue all the way up to high school. We're seeing a lot of SROs now too, uh, since I mentioned it, in elementary schools and middle schools. And I think that's fantastic. I feel like there ought to be an SRO in every school. Yeah, no, um, my children, they're elementary school. We have an SRO and he, he's a, he's a great guy. And yeah, I, I think like you said, with elementary and middle schools, it's a little bit different than at some of the high schools and it, they, they do have to, you know, all of them should connect with the students, but they do have to be a little bit more, you know, huggable and lovable, but yeah. also be prepared for what the dangers that they may face. You know, one of the best SROs I know is a guy down in Florida and he's been a deputy been a police officer for a long time um one of the most competent officers i know and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna refer to him by his nickname of angry dave uh, and i have to make sure he listens to this but you know he takes great delight he works in an elementary school sits down he loves reading to the children he loves going out on the playground with them at, at recess he loves doing all the stuff that endears him to them but he's absolutely ready to go engage any bad guy that wants to threaten any one of them. And it's he, he's like the epitome of what an SRO should be in my mind. So, Frank, you um, you were involved with this active shooter prevention report um, that we put out um, back in May, uh, the end of May. And it was part of this uh, readership survey from the, uh, you know, the. Endeavor Business Media um, Intelligence, Intelligence Group you know, yep. team. Yeah, the, this group that uh, puts out these you know, surveys, and then we can kind of take this uh, information and, and put the report together. Uh, you guys can find that on the website. It's Averting Tragedy, EBM Intelligent Active Shooter Prevention Report. And um, so, th you know, this was put out just shortly after the Covenant Presbyterian uh, school attack in Nashville, Um that happened in late March. If you can just talk a little bit about this report, what we learned from it, and uh, some some of the trends that we saw um, from this. So, uh, and I don't know if many of our readers were aware of this, the Covenant Presbyterian attack happened almost across the street from our corporate headquarters. Yeah. Uh, and as such, a lot of our uh, executive employees, our executive leadership, um, were, were very obviously emotionally impacted by this and they felt like we ought to be able to do something better. We ought to be able to lead by an example or, or have a nation national voice because we do have, uh, you know, as the largest B2B publishing company in the country, we have this huge voice across all these different industries. Um, but their idea was let's, let's do a survey and ask law enforcement officers across the country. Uh, what can we do to prevent active shooter 
events in the future. And I think the anticipated response uh, was going to be heavy on greater gun control measures. As so often we see in the media, so often we hear from politicians, you know, if there were fewer guns, there'd be fewer incidents. Um, and interestingly, the response really came back. Uh, almost almost 600 people replied to it, all law enforcement, excuse me, um, whether they were full-time officers, retired officers, uh, or serving in some kind of uh, part-time or volunteer capacity. And, um, you know, they just, nobody felt that gun control was any part of anything. Um, training, training, training was what came out. Um, training not only the officers to respond, but training faculty and staff, having protocols in place, uh, training the law enforcement with the faculty and staff, uh, training other first responders, our firefighters and our EMS team. Training came out as one of the biggest recommendations, one of the biggest things law enforcement felt was necessary. Um, and then uh, obviously there's the mixed bag where all the po politics get involved in it. Um, you know, you, you get uh, some people, some officers felt it would be of value to arm uh, faculty or staff in the schools. Uh, others felt no, and it was almost a 50-50 split between the two. Um, you know, the, the the gun control stuff, like I said, it just it just didn't come across with any kind of support. Um, it, I, training was the biggest thing. There was also questions about whether or not red flag laws uh, would help or uh, prohibiting weapons from domestic violence uh, actors. So if you if you're uh, a violent felon, you, you've acted in a domestic violence situation. 64% of our respondents felt you shouldn't have any access to a firearm. Um, you know, red flag laws, but this specifically for at-risk individuals, that was 53%. Uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's different how if we divide the data up by region or by state, um, the different outlooks change, but what doesn't change coast to coast is that training uh, was the most supported and, and believed to be the most uh, preventative measure that we could take. Yeah, that, those are some of the takeaways that I had as well, Frank. Um, you know, when you look at this, like you said, uh, allowing teachers to carry fi firearms at school was 53% um, in favor and arming teachers with firearms while at school is 45% in favor. So yeah, like you said, about a 50-50 split. So no real, you know, taking one side one way or the other. Um, and then, like you said, the training, you know, that um, almost all of them supported or basically all of them supported uh, training that revolved around education for law enforcement, firefighters and EMS, which was 97 percent of participants for school teachers, which was also at 90 percent were went in favor and even for the public, uh, which was 94 percent in favor. So I, I think that, yeah, the biggest takeaway from all this is that, uh, you know, like you said, training, 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 that more training can be offered and uh, provided. You know, and it's funny thing you talk about the public and arming the public. Um, it, it's whether we like it or not, the number of weapons, handguns being carried daily in this country is growing. Um, you know, we, we talked about this before with the Supreme Court decision last summer, uh, Bruin decision out of New York, 
essentially the whole country has been made shall issue for permits. We now have, I think it's 29 states that are constitutional carry, just 26 or 29, I can't remember, constitutional carry, no permit required. And, you know, a legal citizen can carry a handgun uh, concealed or open in those constitutional carry states. We're seeing these numbers grow. And, you know, we, and we saw this at Uvalde when you have an event going on and children are a threat, especially in schools. Uh, we had parents showing up, looking at the police officers going, look, if you're not going to go deal with it, that's fine. We're armed. We'll go deal with it. Let us go in. This is going to become a growing challenge, um, and, and we need to address it now. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how. Uh, in yes. fact, uh, Officers Virtual Academy has one of the first courses available on recognizing non-uniform good guys that are armed in or near active shooter events. Uh, I just it's an interesting thing, Paul, as we as we evolve. And it's it's again, it's regional. You can see differences by state, uh, but it'll be interesting to see where we are in five years. Yes. Yeah, so, Frank, in the um, May, June issue, you, you talked about this exact issue um, in evolving active shooter response. And basically, that is the number of people legally carrying handguns increases nationwide that, uh, you know, agencies should train uh, to ensure that they know the know how to identify good guys and don't treat them like bad guys. And basically in this article, you talked about um, at, at incidents like that, that, you know, when, when parents do show up, um, you know, that, that officers, SROs shouldn't, you know, shouldn't mistake them for, for being the bad guy, but that, that also, you know, that, that they may be there and may want to get in and how do SROs, you know, deal with that? How, you know, this was the part of it. You said many citizens um, are, or maybe the parents of children in the target location and are not happy to hear, stay here. We can't let you in. Um, what, what kind of tax should SROs take in that situation? Well, I mean, their hands are kind of bound yeah. by the, the legality issues and liability issues. Um, you know, and, and again, it's going to be different region to region, state to state. Uh, obviously, if it's in a big city where you've got a lot of police officers already responding, and I, it doesn't even have to be a big city. I'll use my own location. Um, not across the bridge from me in St. Mary's County. I'm in Maryland. Uh, we had the Great Mills uh, High School shooting a couple of years back. That, that community still feels that impact. Uh, one one student was killed, one was injured, and then the actor killed himself. Um, you know, you, you don't have citizens showing up there, even though it's a very rural community. You had a lot of deputies, off-duty police officers, FBI agents, state troopers. They have more manpower than they knew what to do with, um, you know, during the immediate event and, and, and in the immediate aftermath. But that's very different from someplace in the Midwest where you're in a town that's got three or four deputies all together. If there's an attack at a school, you know, you, you might have one or two deputies on the scene and, and they know five of the parents that are showing up that all have guns and two of them are military veterans um, and they're all good people. And the deputies might say, yeah, you're coming with us. Let's go. But the reality is that if you go into an active shooter event, it's at a mall as the example. And there's somebody standing there with a gun uh, and they're not in a uniform. Are they a good guy or a bad guy? And I encourage people to go take, take a look at the class on the virtual academy because their body posture, um, the way they're facing, the way they're holding their weapon, uh, all of this can be hints. And yeah, it means slowing down a little bit. It means 
taking the time to observe and 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 recognize what you see rather than just shooting everybody with a gun in their hand which um sadly that was one officer's response when i asked him i said hey if you go into this this kind of event and and you see somebody not in a uniform and he's got a gun what do you do he goes he's got a gun in his hand i'm, I'm gonna shoot him i'm like what if it's an off-duty cop he goes well if i don't see a badge i'm gonna shoot him I said, what if his back's to you well then how am i supposed to know slow down take a look uh and it, it's it's not i don't want to say it's scientific it's based on real observation and takes considered application but more than anything else it takes slowing down enough to to realize what you're seeing and then addressing it accordingly and again back to this article that you wrote frank uh you said such potential realities have to be addressed and trained for does your policy even take such into consideration i think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing that agencies have to have to plan for these situations and be uh ready for them well unfortunately you know some agencies have already seen off-duty officers uh you know we call blue on blue shootings they've seen off-duty officers shot by on-duty officers because the the agency's so big they don't know each other um, the, the lighting situation is such that they can't readily identify the officer off duty, whatever agency protocol has to be, has to address this in some way. And then it has to be built into the agency training programs, uh, to force these kind of judgment calls. Uh, and then you discuss it after the fact. I mean, 75% of all learning happens in the after action review. So it's something we got to deal with. Yeah. And it just, it's crazy to think that SRO is the biggest thing I, I remember um, being the biggest thing before school shootings were so, you know, prevalent versus what they used, you know, you didn't really get them at all, um, or at least not as often. Well, they were, that, they were not anywhere near as prevalent in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Well, of we course, we've seen then, them then, really take off since yeah. then. Yeah, you know, we had Columbine, but, but, uh, but yeah, the big thing for SROs is just getting kids to go to school. You know, and, and yeah. the local departments to try to get those kids that didn't go to school to go to school. So they they still have other things to uh, to deal with. I mean, the education of of the students and the safety of the schools, you know, the the usual, you know, safety of the schools. Um, so it's, you know, SROs have so much. It's already a thankless job, but uh, so much that they have to deal with. I guess what if you could just give them uh, some words of advice as the school uh, school year is about to ramp up here. So, and this is what I mentioned earlier on in this podcast that I wanted to talk about later. I know of a situation where there was a runaway child, um, but this runaway child who had been reported as a runaway from home was still going to school every day. So the local law enforcement office knew where to find this child. Um, and one of the deputies went to the school uh, and asked, you know, when the child comes in, just bring, bring her down to the office and let's have a conversation to find out what's going on that she ran away. Obviously, she doesn't want to leave 100%. She's still going to school. Something's going on at home. Let's figure it out. Well, somebody in the school system decided instead of bringing that student to the office to talk to the deputy, uh, because that, that individual on the faculty felt that the student might be arrested or something else bad might happen, they warned the student and let the student run away from school. Now, the end result was that student wasn't found for three months and, it, and was found later in a different state. So that, that should never have happened. What our, one of our biggest challenges and what the, the SROs really need to focus on in the coming year and coming years is developing that level of trust 
with the staff and faculty and the students so that everybody understands that SRO is a human being who understands and has compassion for different challenges and different problems. He takes or she takes joy and delight in the accomplishments and the successes of the students. He or she is there willing to help the students when they face challenges. And sometimes they can be, that SRO can be a, a good sounding board for when the student has a challenge that might involve legal decisions, you know, right or wrong, legal or illegal, how do I deal with this? And we're talking about things like bullying or cyberbullying or whatever. Uh, you know, that officer can can act not purely in an enforcement position. While there are conditions to that, that officer has some discretion. And getting that trust built has to be the focus of every SRO. It's easier if you've been with the school for a few years. If you've only, it's your first year, obviously that needs to be your focus, building that trust letting them know uh, that you you have compassion, you have understanding, you're not just pure RoboCop there to enforce the law to the letter. Um, but, but that has to be built with the faculty and the staff and the students. And that's a challenge for every SRO. Uh, and it happens every year. You get a new freshman class, the SRO has got to build that, that rapport with them. So it's something they got to focus on. And I would encourage them to do that, Paul. Yeah, that's a great point, Frank, that, you know, um, the, these SROs are a part of the faculty, uh, even though they, you know, work for their local agency, um, they're still, you know, part of that faculty and the staff really needs to accept them with open arms because, the, you know, they, they deal with the students every day and they could really work hand in hand with uh, with the educational staff. So, you know, with that, um, I, you know, I think this was a good discussion and, you know, everybody out there stay safe as you know, school ramps back up, like I said, uh, you know, going, going in here in the next couple of weeks. And I said, my, my kids just left on the bus today for school. So yep. it's great to, you know, see everybody going back and the kids being excited to go back to school. And like I said, it's seeing those SROs in there, uh, um, you know, doing their duty and hopefully they can, uh, you know, put up with all the stuff they have to put up with this year, but also connect well with those kids. So, you know, the uh, best SROs yeah. don't just put up with it. They, they oh, actually enjoy yeah. it. Oh, I know. And and, uh, and they embrace the, those possibilities. But, yeah, excellent conversation. I know if the kids aren't already back, they're going back before the end of the month. Um, yeah. We want everybody to have a safe school year. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for uh, checking out this episode of the Officer Roll Call podcast. Again, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can email us at editors at officer.com. And, again, stay safe and take care. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.